bring illumination to your people. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this atmosphere. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter number 9. We are reading from verse 1, 2 to verse 4. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn from here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Next verse, give me next verse. Verse 5, quickly. Let's hear what she says. Come and eat of my bread and drink of my wine, or of the wine I have mixed. Hallelujah. Wisdom has. Now let's go through this, the sequence. Number one, wisdom has what? Built what? Her house. Number two, she has slaughtered. Her meat. I want you to take notice of all the, the things that wisdom has done. Number one is what? Wisdom has built a house. Number two, she has built it out of seven pillars. Don't forget that. Out of what? Seven pillars. Number two, she has hewn, she has slaughtered her meat. Number three, she has mixed her wine. Number four, she has also furnished her table. Number five, she has sent out her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, turn in to her. Whoever lacks understanding, she says to him, come and receive the things that I have prepared for you. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Come and eat of the bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. The number 5 verse means that your wisdom is really not for you. Uh, I don't know whether you are you alive this evening. Your wisdom is a gift for others. More time Others benefit from your wisdom even more than you do. We've been talking about wisdom. I don't want to go back all the way, but we said that wisdom is for building, remember? And how many know that most buildings, the ones who enjoy the building is not the builder of the building. It's the others who come after who enjoy. Remember I said to you, they are builders, they are users, and they are abusers and the spoilers. Most often, the builders don't enjoy the building than the users. 
The users enjoy the building more than the builders. And the abusers overuse the building that has been built. And the spoilers just spoil the building or destroy what has been built. So most of the time, those who build in wisdom are building not for themselves, but for others. Remember, Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, the most people who are blessed, or the people who are blessed the most, are the builders, the ones who make things happen for others. How many understand what I'm saying? So we said wisdom builds. And wisdom, let's go to some of the things we said about wisdom. Wisdom, that's what? It builds. It also finishes. Yeah? And all that. And last week, I gave you six things that Solomon accounted for Solomon's wisdom. And remember that God is not a respecter of persons. If he did these things for Solomon, or Solomon used these things to acquire wisdom, you and I can use those things to also acquire wisdom. Amen. The first thing we said was what? Proverbs chapter 4, Hear ye my children the instructions of a father and attend to no understanding. Verse 3 says that I was my father's son, tender and the only beloved in the sight of my mother. Verse 4 says that he taught me. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 4. He taught me and said, let thine heart retain my words. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Hallelujah. Wisdom is hearing and keeping what you have heard. Are you with me? Most of the time, we hear a lot. But we don't keep a lot. And we don't even use what we have heard at all. How many were advised and you didn't use the advice? And then it came to hit you or bite you in the backside before. Yeah. So Solomon says, hear the words of your father and retain them. You know, we go through stages. When you are a child at a very young infant stage, your father is your hero. I mean, know what I'm talking about. If your father says, I, I, I'll buy an airplane, you believe it. If your father says, you, you go to a playground and tell, my father can beat your father. My father can beat everybody. It, it is the stage where your father, you worship in a certain sense, your father. Then when, as you grow a lot, a, a, a lot more, you realize that your father doesn't know a lot of things. And you start doubting your father. How many know what I'm talking about? The stage. 
Then it gets to a place you despise him. Because you feel that you are better than him. You can do better than him. Then you will get to a place you realize that I am no better than him. Then when you grow a little bit, you realize that no, actually, my father is much better than me. The sad reality is that by the time you get to a place where you think your father is better than you, most of the time the father is gone. That's when you start seeing a lot of wisdom in the things he said and did. Are you getting what I'm saying? But Solomon is saying that let us not go through the cycle to come back to the same thing. Just whatever he says, retain it. Add it, put it in your pocket and use it. Experience is not always the best teacher because the school fees of experience is too high. So it is better to use the experiences of others. Even their failure, even their failure will teach you how not to do some things. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So Solomon, Solomon said, hear the instruction. That what made Solomon wise, you can say God gave him wisdom. But I believe that the starting point of Solomon's wisdom was his father. Because the question God asked Solomon was a very pregnant question. That could have taken him any direction. Ask of me what you want and I will give it to you. Even the life of your enemies, I will give it to you. Every king has one problem and that's the enemies. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Every king has one problem. Enemies, number two, money. But he didn't ask for the life of his enemies or money. He said, give me wisdom. It means he was a wise man. Even before God asked him that question. Uh, he knew what to ask for when that question was presented. And that, I believe, came from the father's advice. Hallelujah. And I told you that a father is not just biological. We have nine different types of fathers. Both good and bad. Nine different types of fathers. Learn from the words of your father. Am I making sense? Number two was what? Remember your creator whilst you are young. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. When the evil days hasn't come. Where you say I have no pleasure in them. A day will come when you give up. You'll be fed up. Before that time comes, remember God. Because when you remember God in your young days, you will save yourself a lot of foolish turns. You save yourself a lot of heartaches. You save yourself dying early. Um, yesterday, I was so sad. I read in the news that a footballer 
a Ghanaian footballer died, an ex-footballer. Now, this guy happened to be one of my heroes back in the day. Many, many, many years ago. He was called Abu Imoro. Now, this guy was most, one of the most talented footballers in his day. He was even more talented than Abedi Pele, who was his contemporary. Now, Abedi Pele went, I, I, don't just listen to the name. Don't worry about who they are. It don't make any sense. Now, Abedi Pele went on to become more successful financially, built a lot of houses. Now, this guy who was better took a wrong turn. He got into drugs. And he just died. I mean, he was, he was living in, the, in filth. He was living in squalor. He was living in a refuse dump. That was where he was living. This is somebody who was at the height of his. And he's not the only one. There are many, 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 many footballers you can talk about. They saw money. But they took a wrong turn. What will guarantee you safety is the fear of God. So remember God in the days of your youth. When the evil day hasn't come. Because the evil day will come. I mean, I went back to look at some of the, the things that that guy did. And I remember some of the games I watched him play. All, I, I mean, maybe it's before some of you are born. <laughs> but people of my age group, when you're a footballer, you want to call yourself by his name. Because he was such a brilliant footballer. Amen. Number three. Sorry? He sought for wisdom actively. How many know that we all think we are wise? And we think we don't need anybody to teach us any wisdom. How many know that? But a wise man looks for more wisdom. That's a sign of wisdom. To seek actively after wisdom. You see, every time, you see, the book of Proverbs was written, uh, Bible uh, historians say that the book of Proverbs, like the book of Psalms, were written by about four or five different authors, and they credit um, Solomon with majority, like they credit uh, David with majority of the Psalms. They credit Solomon with the majority of the Proverbs. And each time, when you read uh, the proverb and hear my son, my son, my son, it means it's, it's um, Solomon who is writing. Uh, and uh, when it sounds, the Psalm of David. Uh, but, but Solomon was trying to speak to a younger person, a younger audience, trying to teach them wisdom so that they will live a better life and be more successful. So he said, my son, attend, my son, attend, my son, attend to wisdom. My son, know this, my son, do not, 
love her, honor her, and she promote thee. He kept advising a young person to actively seek wisdom. Hallelujah. Wise people seek after wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. Why do they despise wisdom? They despise wisdom because they feel they know. And they don't need any more wisdom. They have gathered already. And sadly, Christians who are more anointed feel they don't need wisdom. And we equate everything to prayer and the Holy Spirit when actually the Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom. So anointing, real anointing is wisdom. We read in Isaiah when we saw the seven spirits of God. Five of them was what? Wisdom. So we, we real anointing is wisdom. Sometimes we pray when we have to think. Yesterday, was it yesterday? I had to I had an assignment to do. A very, very difficult assignment. Yesterday. And I had to go with a senior pastor to go and do something somewhere. And I was praying, I was praying about because it could go one of two ways. It was a very delicate assignment. It can go this way. It can go that way. In fact, the tendency of it was to go this way rather than that way. Okay. This way is failure and rejection. And this way is success and acceptance. And it was very delicate because we're dealing with lies. We're dealing with issues. And I was praying. And the Lord told me, stop praying, think. So the whole day, I was thinking. It is not what you say. It is how you say it. So I was rehearsing my mind how to start what to say. Because you can say to somebody you're a fool and the person will say thank you and appreciate it so much. You can say to somebody you're a fool and the person will never talk to you again. And I was supposed to go and say to somebody that you're a fool. And let them appreciate it. thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. Then just before I got there, I was like, why don't I defer to the senior that I'm going with to go and do this talking? Because this thing is a very delicate thing. 
But then, when we got out of the car to go, I realized the seat was panicking, was, was trembling. <laughs> he was shivering, shivering. <laughs> so this one, I knew that no, if I, I, I have to do this. So, as we we're entering, the senior pushed me, <laughs> and he was behind. So we sat down. The, the person had given a stance, you know, ready. Then I started to talk. Remember, someone says that it is not the counsel of the ungodly and everything. And then in uh, Joshua 1, it is a meditate and it will make your way prosperous. So all I did all day was to meditate on what I was going to say, how I was going to say it. And I went and I said it exactly how I had rehearsed it. And before I could finish, this person was crying like a baby. And he said, I've had one archbishop, two other bishops, in fact, three other bishops, one archbishop, three other bishops have come to talk to me and I've sent them out of this office. But I don't know why I feel a meeting I was supposed to, we could have gone three, five minutes, ended up taking three hours. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because most of the time, we don't think. Most of our failures is out of not thinking. Because see, what God has already given you, he won't come back to give you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. When God wanted 8 billion people on the earth, he made just one Adam out of whom he pulled an Eve. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Which means that God is not coming back to recreate and recreate another Adam on the other side of the, the, the earth. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying? God has given you wisdom. Most of the things we are praying about, the solution is in our heads. Oh, you don't like what I'm saying? But because we don't want to use it, we feel comf comforted when we pray. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Okay. Number, what number are we on? Number four. Pray for wisdom. Yeah. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. It must be one of your daily prayers. Pray for wisdom. Keep praying for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Number six. Number five, what? Have a mentor. If I ask you who is your mentor, what would you say? I am my own man. I'm already emotional. I don't have a mentor. 
In your Christian life, have a mentor. In your professional life, have a mentor. In your marriage life, have a mentor. In your life as a a parent, have a mentor. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You need to have somebody who's ahead of you to give you their wisdom. A mentor means a mentoring around you. Oh, you, did, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get it? You get it? Oh, I should forget it. A man touring around you. It means you have to humble yourself to allow them to tour around you. To, to, to have a mentor means that you must make yourself vulnerable and tell them everything about you so they can tour around you and tell you what to do and what not to do. Have you not seen that people who were brought up with parents who were actively interested in their lives, they are different from those who didn't have active parents? How many know what I'm talking about? You don't need to have your parents with you, but if you have a mentor, they serve the same purpose. Hallelujah. The reason why Joshua was able to safely take Israel to the promised land and divide the land to all of them was because he had Moses as his mentor. The reason why Samuel became the greatest prophet that Israel had was because he had an Eli. Eli, mind you, was a failure as a prophet, but he was able to mentor Solomon, uh, Samuel to do well. The reason why Elisha did so well, more than his father Elijah, was because he had Elijah as a mentor. The reason why the disciples did very, very well was because they had a mentor in Jesus. The reason why we don't do well, because we don't have mentors. You don't have anybody you pour yourself to and they can tell you, take right, take left, do this, do that, don't do this. A mentor helps you. Tells you this place, the end of this road is a ditch. Pass right. Pass left. Stop here. Is there anybody who can tell you stop and you stop? If you don't have anybody who can tell you stop, sit down, you sit down, then you are in danger. In your marriage, if there's no one who can tell you sit down, you sit down, you are in danger. In your ministry, if nobody can tell you, sit down, then you are in a very dangerous place. A, a lot of ministers have missed it so big because they don't have anybody who can tell them anything. Say, so as for me, I hear directly. And I do what God says. My source is God. Have you not done something very foolish before? You yourself, you sitting there. Have you not done something that see, anytime you remember it, you want to dodge? If you are, if that has happened to you, it has happened to the, that man. You know, I always say, if you go to a, a 
church and you can't find a source who can talk to him, you are in a dangerous place. If the man hasn't got a man over him who can tell him, sit down, you sit down. Be careful. Arrogance and pride destroys a lot of people because you see, uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So if there's nobody, you know, and a mentor, a real mentor is not is not impressed by your success. In fact, your success is their pride. Uh, oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. A proper mentor, your success—they are not jealous of you. Your success is their pride. You get it. I have a lot of pastors that I've trained. The ones who actively keep asking questions. They all have their churches. The ones who actively submit, actively, even when I don't want to, they are calling me to come and oversee what they are doing. They are doing better than the ones who are already in motion, who are independent candidates. Always, and you see, every level you need an, another mentor. So a mentor can, it's like a, a relay race. A mentor, some mentors can only mentor you up to this point. At this point, you've got to change a mentor. If you keep that old mentor, you're not going anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? You need, because you're at this level now, that mentor has not been to this level, so they can't really mentor you. You still honor them as a father, but you have to have another mentor to take you to the next level. And when you get to that next level, you realize that the other one has finished his race. You have to find somebody else. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Number six. The fear of the Lord. Oh, listen, let us never lose the fear of the Lord. Especially most of us, because we can so used to the presence of God, so used to God around us, it gets to a place we, we don't even reverence God anymore. We become like Samson. I will go, I'll get up and shake myself. And everything will be alright. Until the time you get up to shake yourself and there's no power. Hallelujah. But today I want us to move on our conversation to look at the evidence of wisdom. The evidence, someone say the evidence of wisdom. When wisdom is around you, there must be evidence. If there are no evidence for wisdom, then we suspect that it's something else but not wisdom. First Kings 10, 1 to 9, the Bible says that now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels, with boar spices, very much gold and precious stones. And she came to Solomon and she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. 
So Solomon answered all the questions. There was the questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the sitting of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and the entry by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left in her. Amen. Then she said to the king, it was true. It was a true report which I heard from my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and I saw with my own eyes and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I had. Happy are your men and happy are these servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to be, to do justice and righteousness. Remember the words I told you to circle when we read Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house, number one, remember? Number two, she has hewn it out of seven pillars. Number three, she has slaughtered her meat. Number four, she has mixed her wine. Number five, she has furnished her table. And number six, she has sent out maidens to go and ask those who don't have wisdom to come and learn of wisdom. Go back to the scripture we just read and look at the verse four. First Kings 10. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, that the, the, she had seen the wisdom, means that when she came, she had something to see. And the things that he, she saw actually convinced her that this man has wisdom. So you see, wisdom is not you telling me you are wise. Wisdom is, wisdom has evidence. Wisdom has children. Hallelujah. The first child of wisdom that we see in the scripture is what? She came, verse 4, go back to verse 4. She, came, she has seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built. We said wisdom does what? Builds. If wisdom builds, then the evidence that Queen Sheba was looking for was what? What you have built. Don't tell me you are wise. Let me see what you have built. It's not just 
a house that you build. Your life is a building. Your marriage is a building. Your finances is a building. Your relationship is also a building. Do you know that a lot of people cannot keep relationships? How many know what I'm talking about? You don't have relationship that you keep. You only have a person, a friend for a few years, then you fall out. A few years and you fall out. A few years. Listen, let me tell you, let me give you this wisdom. Make sure you pay a price to keep and maintain and retain relationships. Make sure you do everything to keep relationships. In Luke chapter 6, I think it's 38 downwards. It's like, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall what? Men. Do you see that part of the scripture? Shall what? No, no, no. Go to King James. Give me King James. Give and shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall what? Men give to your bosom. So if God is going to bless you, God will use what? Men. Men. And the men that God will use are men that know you. (laughs) Not strangers. No. Study this scripture for a a bit with me. Give. Who are you giving to? You are giving to men. It shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over, shall what? The men you gave to will use the same men to give you back. And the scripture goes on the next verse is that for the with the measure that you meet with all is the same measure that will be used to give you back. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The 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 the, the, the people that you are relating with. How many know that it's very difficult to maintain relationships? Because people are very some way. People are forgetful. People are ungrateful. People will desert you. People will are wicked. People are despisers. People will betray you. But God will use the same ungrateful, unthankful, Wicked men to bless you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The same people God is going to use to bless you. So pay the price to keep that relationship. Always keep doors open. Uh, How many are friends you always give to and they never give you back? You are always in a relationship, you are always giving. They are like leeches. When they need, they come to you. They never call you just to give you anything. They are always taking from you. Listen, keep those friends. One day, those friends will come to your aid. I always say that there is a certain deposit called goodwill. Like you pay 
money into bank. How many have bank accounts? You put money in the bank account. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and the more money you have in the bank, the wealthier you are. Because now you have the power to buy anything you need. <clears throat> because you have money in the bank. But another deposit, another deposit you must always have full. An account you must always have is called goodwill. Goodwill account. Do you know what a goodwill account is? So, Sasha needs a connection. Sasha is looking for a job. And I know Peter, who is a manager somewhere. So I sent Sasha to Peter. And Peter gives Sasha a job. I have deposited goodwill in the bank where Sasha is concerned. And I have withdrawn a goodwill account that I had with Peter. Do you understand? Because some time ago, I did something very good for Peter. So me sending Sasha to Peter is to withdraw the deposit of my goodwill. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Goodwill is as important and as big as your account, monetary account. Me, as I'm here, that I have more goodwill account than financial account. I have people I have helped. If I need anything, a phone call will make it happen. Because I am constantly and consistently paying into my goodwill account. It's a very conscious thing. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Wisdom will tell you that help, so help into people's lives. Because one day, you will, they will, you will withdraw that account. <laughs> Am I making sense? One day, you will withdraw that account. One day, maybe not you, but somebody you know may need that help. Never ever close your door of compassion on anybody. It's as important as sowing, uh, putting, depositing money. One of the greatest way of making becoming rich is having forming a habit of uh, putting money away. Do you understand what I'm saying? You put money away. A lot of people don't have that habit. A lot of people have the habit of spending. That's why they're always broke. Those who have a habit of saving are always rich. Do you understand what I'm saying? Both goodwill and monetary, financial. A lot of people do, they spend goodwill. They never save goodwill. You are always demanding help from others, but you never sow help into anybody's life. It's like you are always spending any money that comes into your account. You are a broke person. <laughs> oh, you don't like my message. You know, as for the month of wisdom, it's not. I don't. I'm not preaching. I'm talking. I'm advising you. Always deposit help into people. Deposit, consciously deposit help. 
volunteer to help people. Even when you, you will never see them again, volunteer to help. Almost every country you go to, I have somebody there. Almost every country, ready to help you. Almost every country. I just have to make a phone call. You say you've landed in a country, you are stranded. Oh, I'll remember somebody that I've helped before. And I will give you that contact. And that person will come to help. Not because of you. Because you, they don't know you. Uh, you get what I mean? Because I started showing help many, many years ago. I realized that goodwill account is more powerful. And it's more, it, it, it has more money inside than financial account. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wisdom is to know how to relate with men. Because if God is going to bless you, God will always use men. Never ever have ungrateful attitude. Never ever have a selfish attitude where you know you are dealing with men. Am I making sense? Don't burn bridges easily. I'm not talking to you again. I'm angry with you. And now, from today, I've burnt the bridge. One day, you will need that same foolish person. One day, you will need that person. So I always say that even when you are going to close the door, close it gently. Because one day you will need the same door to open quietly to go and ask for help. But when you bang the door, even your own conscience will tell you that you can't go there. <laughs> yeah. Hello. So Kweshiba came and saw the building. That was the first thing. First evidence of wisdom was what you are building. Ask yourself, what am I building? Am I building goodwill account? Am I building a house? Physical structure? Am I Listen, before you die, make sure you have the place of the earth that belongs to you. A piece of the earth that you have paid for. <laughs> oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. It must be right somewhere. Before I check out, I will have a, I'll mark a territory that belongs to me. CICC, before you check out, mark a territory. I'm talking to the pastors. Mark a territory that belongs to you. Listen, when you build a physical building, you guarantee the longevity of that church and that place for more than four generations. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If it doesn't matter how big your church is, if it meets in a classroom, it meets in a hotel, you don't have a church. Because the day they lock that door, your church is finished. And anybody can do it. 
But when you have a building that is yours, when you're not there, somebody else will be in there, in your name, to the fourth generation. That's why it's not easy to build. When you have a home, your children's children's children will be there enjoying it. Don't build houses in your stomach all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Have a place that you say, this place. You see, where I come from, they don't do that, that here. But where I come from, this is the house of, let me write the person's name. You know, I went to I went to my my hometown, and um, there is a house and a statue of the house, statue in front of the house, and they said and they started this is then they wrote the person's name. This is Kofi Ando's house. And it's the only house in the town. So it's like, I mean, I was doing my research. Say, this is your great-great-grandfather's house. So I entered. And I met an old lady. Say, who are you looking? Who are you? <laughs> and I mentioned my name. Say, oh. So they gave me, this, the old lady gave me a history of my great-grandfather. And how she, he left home and relocated in Kumasi somewhere. Told me the history. <laughs> Are you getting it? How would I, I mean, my great-great-grandfather left and it's like that side of the lineage is cancelled because he relocated somewhere and started life there. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then migrated from there to another place and started life in that place. So it's like you trace my lineage to this place. But because somebody built a house, it was easy to, to trace it from here to here back to that place about five six generations down the line are you getting it that's the that is the importance of a house because there's a piece of the earth that marks where your ancestry is if you don't have the house your great-grandchildren will not trace you <laughs> and when you have has write your name there Uh, oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. Listen, every one of us has a unique fingerprint. What do you think the fingerprint is for? It's because God wants you to make a unique mark on the earth before you leave. No one fingerprint is repeated. The great, 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 if you trace all the fingerprints that have, all the eight billion that have lived and lived and lived, there's no one fingerprint that is repeated. 
Because every human being that comes on the earth must leave a mark. And you are no different. Someone say, I will leave my mark. Or say like you mean it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes the mark you leave is your name. You leave a name. Today when you mention Nelson Mandela, everybody knows that name. Because he left a name. There are names that good and bad, they have left. But there are names that you mention nobody knows. Hallelujah. So Solomon had built and what he built was what was noticed. Remember the queen is also a great person. So they are not coming to see useless things. They are not coming to hear riddles. They are coming to observe because they've heard of some fame of wisdom. So they are coming to observe. And this is what she observed. The building. The building. Number two thing that she observed. The second thing that she observed. We are still in verse four, isn't it? Go back to verse 4. We are in 1 Kings 10. Number 2, verse 5. The food on his table. The food on his table. Remember I said to you that wisdom has built a house, hewn seven pillars, and has slaughtered meat. The word food on your table means supplies. It means supplies. The first one, building is structures. The structures you have. Number two is supplies. It's not just food. You think the Queen of Sheba was interested in food? She was not interested in food, but she was interested in the supplies. When I say supplies, what comes into your mind? The provision. And when I say provision, what comes into your mind? I'm, wait, I'm looking for one word. Sorry? Resources. Good. But I'm looking for another word. Planning. Planning. How do you keep resources constantly flowing. You must plan for it. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Supply chain. You must have a supply chain so that you never run out. A good businessman will never run out of supplies. Your raw materials never get finished. The money that you use on a daily basis never gets finished when you are a planner. I don't know whether you understand. It's only a foolish person or a mismanaged person who gets paid and by the 15th of the uh, month, they, they are in, in dire straits. Because they don't have any plan. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Are, are you learning something? 
Go to the ant, you lazy man, and consider her ways and be what? Wise. Verse 7. Which have no captain or overseer or ruler, but still provides what? Her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant never runs out of supply because the ant is a long-term planner. And the, the wise man was teaching his, his son and said that go to the, the, the ant and learn. They don't have a supervisor. They don't have a ruler. They don't have an overseer, but they have planning. So their supplies never run out. If I come to your house and drink has run out, food has run out, toilet paper has run out, toothpaste has run out, soap has run out, the light has gone off. There's no internet. It means wisdom is absent in the house. Remember that. Go, go back to the next, the previous verse. Go, go back, go back. Verse, verse, no, verse 6. He says that go and be wise. Consider her ways and what? Be wise. Because the ant supply never runs out. In the winter, when every there's nothing, all the, the the little drops of food is finished, the worm is hungry, the butterfly is hungry, the bees are hungry, but the ant is cool because his supplies never run out. The ant lives for 45 to 60 days which means that by the time summer is over, the ant is dead. But yet, the ant is busy laying provision. Even if he will not live to use that provision, others will use it. That's the wisdom of the ant. Hallelujah. When you plan your life, you will never run out. Most often, we don't plan. Let me ask you a question. If your income were to stop for the next six months, would you be able to survive from now to the sixth month when the income stream starts again? Think about it. If you can't su survive after six months, then it means your supplies are very limited. It means you have to go back and re-strategize. Uh, you don't like what I'm saying? 
what the queen noticed was that this man's supplies never ran out. Food was constantly being passed on the table. Remember, wisdom has made her food and called people to come and eat. If you call people to come and eat, what does it mean? Their food will be running out at the point. But if they are still coming, it means wisdom has made provisions that as many people who come to eat as possible, I'm still ready to feed them. which means that you must have provisions stored. As a church, do we have in supply pastors? Or as soon as the pastors that are here are finished, then we go back to the drawing boards and what do we do next? Because we are, we've run out of surprise, supplies. That is why, as a church, we are always training new pastors. If you make yourself available, you'll be trained. Because we don't want to run out of supplies. Am I making sense? Yeah. Because wisdom is the ability to keep the supply chain running. The supply chain. So, pastors... You must always have your eye out looking for the next supplier. Amen. Oh, you don't like my message. Number three. Go back to, we are looking at Proverbs. First Kings, sorry, First Kings 9. 10, sorry, 10. We are in verse, verse 5 now. The service of what? His waiters. No, 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 no. We missed that. We missed one. The, the sitting of his servants. The sitting of his servant speaks to organization. The sitting of his servants. The servant, it means organization order. Have you not realized that? Any wise country, any developed country that you go to, there's order. Any underdeveloped country, any poor country, there's no order. Oh, you don't understand that? You don't get it? You get it? When there's disorder, it means there's lack of wisdom. When I come to your house, your bedroom looks like a bomb site. <laughs> you sleep on one piece of the bed. The rest is a heap of clothes. Wisdom is lacking. If it is, you say, mm. <laughs> The message has entered the bedroom. <laughs> it's not me. I didn't come to your bedroom. <laughs> wisdom brings order. Lack of wisdom brings chaos. Is there order in your life? Are you discombobulated?
Are you combobulated? <laughs> Do you have order in your life? The, the people who pass exams and do very well are those who order their, their answers before they start writing. Those who order their studying part, they have a study plan. When they go to the exam, they read the question, they plan their answer before they start writing. The people who are number one, you start writing before you are... You, you, you are in the middle of the question, the answer, you realize that you should have brought that one, this one that you're writing, and should have been the first. The examiner should, should pre- map, you're mapping the examiner that this one is on top. This one. <laughs> Me, I should do the work for you. <laughs> Some of us, we don't plan our lives. You marry because you saw her hips. There was no plan. This woman you are marrying, do you have what it takes to maintain her? Can you maintain her mouth? Her the way she likes things the way she likes things can you maintain it (laughs) that is why I wrote the book before you jump take your time and read No, if I go back to the Proverbs 6, 6, let me show you some scripture there. Let me, let's read down. I'll show you something, a scripture there. Go down. Go, go. 7, 8. <laughs> go on, verse 7, 8. Quickly. Sister, you're wasting my time. Let me go and read my own thing, but this one. Proverbs. Verse 8. Go on. Verse 9. How long will you slumber or sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Next verse. A little slump, a little folder of arm, and poverty will come. Next verse. Verse, verse 12. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with what? A perverse man. Verse 13. I'm looking for a verse. No. I'll find it, don't worry. Let's go on. Let's go on. I'll find it. I'll find the verse for you. So 
So what, what verse are we on now? Verse 5. So we have looked at the food on the stable, the sitting of his servant, the service of his waiters. The service of his waiters. It means the presentation. The presentation. How many know that service is beautiful when it's planned? Isn't, isn't that right? You see, wisdom is seen in the presentation. How many know that when a man cooks, in fact, not all men, but most men, when they cook and they put the food on a plate, it doesn't look very nice, appetizing to eat. Because they just, and they say here, but the, the, the wives will do, put something here, put, you know, my, my wife will put the rice into a bowl, like a, make it like a bowl, put some slice here, then they will drizzle something, you know, like you've gone to a restaurant, it's like, uh-huh. The food, even before you, 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 you eat, the food, the, the presentation makes you feel satisfied. Even the tablecloth, the way they will fold it. But, yeah, I haven't got the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, if, if you're not hungry, go put it down. <laughs> presentation is everything. See, what makes one pastor greater than the other? They are using the same Bible, right? What makes one singer greater than the other? They are using the same voice, the same key. But the presentation is what makes the difference. And it means rehearsal. Because presentation is about rehearsal. You understand what I'm saying? That is why the choir sings for maybe five minutes. But they rehearse like... A, Three hours, one hour on Sunday, two hours on Saturday to come and sing a five-minute song. The choir director will be annoying them. <laughs> they will feel bored. But then on Sunday when they come and sing, it's like, wow, very powerful. And people clap. But they don't realize that, this, that what they are seeing is a service. But the sweat and tears that have gone in to present Listen, what will make your church attractive is presentation. How the people order, how the, the ashes order, how, you know, you go to a church, you are coming to sing one song. The choir. Then, have you seen that this stage is empty? And there's a lull and quiet for three minutes for some lazy people to just go, to go. Then they'll come and stand. Then uh, shift, shift. Then somebody will come from here, shift there. Yeah. Hallelujah. 
In Romans chapter 1, verse 99. Listen, we don't want you to come and preach. You are here to sing a song. Just sing it. Let's go. You see, a smart presentation, there should never be a break in the service. We should not be sitting for three minutes waiting for you to gather yourself from your chair to this place. You know that by the time they finish the whatever they are doing, they are saying the, the, the pastor comes to take offering or whatever. The next item is the choir. Shall we welcome the choir? You are now putting on your shoes. Oh, you don't get what I mean. It makes, that is what makes the difference between a developed church and a developed, underdeveloped church. Just like a developed country and underdeveloped country. These little, little things. You know you are coming to preach. You have left your Bible. Or you know that the pastor is coming to preach. I've come to stand here. The person who's supposed to put my microphone up is on the foyer. And now I'm like, what I hate is people coming to change. Hate it with a passion. It shows disorganization. You have the time to test your microphones before the service starts. You have the time to do all the checks. You check your instrument before the service starts. In the middle of the service, you are not running around trying to put the bass guitar on. By the time you put the bass guitar on, the presentation is finished. And see, if you're a pastor who's not afraid, who is afraid to correct these things, your church will always be underdeveloped. The reason why African countries are the way they are is because the leaders are afraid to correct some things that you need to correct. You know you have to work here. How many minutes are you, you are supposed to sing and you are in the foyer? You are waiting for us to come and call you. That for me, that's it. You are never singing again. Because presentation is everything. That is why any restaurant you go and they give you a lousy service, you don't go there again. No matter how nice the food is. It's the same standard in any restaurant. It's the same standard in a church. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Because when people go to a restaurant, what are they going for? They're going for a service. When they come here, what are they coming here for? For a service. So the presentation is very important. The presentation in the restaurant is, in a certain way, they train the waiters how to serve, how to put a table, how to smile. We have come down, you are now teaching the person the song, how to play the song in the middle of our service. This is a rehearsal place. It shows, it shows lack of respect. Oh, you don't like my... It's just lack of reverence for the, for the thing that we are doing. Yeah. 
I want to see professionals. Uh, we didn't rehearse in this key. Can we try another key? Go and sit down before I do something bad to you. There must never be shabby, you know, feedback. I hate those things. It shows lack of organization. If, if, let me ask you a question. If, let me ask you, my brother. If you go to a restaurant, the waiter, his buttons, and his bow ties there, and he has a blob of, uh, what do you call it, ketchup, ketchup here, and a tissue, tissue dangling from his waistcoat pocket. Would you want that such a person to serve you? Little, little things like that. You wear that type of waistcoat to go to a restaurant, the manager will walk you home. Because you can't come and, not unless the restaurant is a uh, Leeds fried chicken. <laughs> but if it's a proper restaurant, five star restaurant, you can't work there. Are you getting what I'm saying? But we accept it in the house of God. Because we don't know anything about service. But when the Queen of Sheba went, she noticed the service of the servants. The presentation. It shows wisdom. It's a mark of wisdom. So the presentation of the ashes, the presentation of the sound, the presentation of the musicians, the presentation of the choir, the presentation of, of the people that are in the church, how they respond to the message, the presentation of the pastor, all of it speaks. Then somebody says, hmm, this church looks like a good place. I'll come back again. But they can't meet some shabby something. It doesn't matter how nice the food is. If the service you receive is bad, you won't go there again. In the same way, when it comes, it doesn't matter how powerful the word is, how powerful the anointing is. If the service is bad, that is it. I'm not going to that church again. My pet hate is wires that are crisscrossing everywhere. go to a church. The whole place is like a jungle. You have to do hop, skip, and jump. Because wire here, wire there, wire here. Across the stage. If you make a mistake, you trip and fall. It shows lack of organization. You see the overhead cables that run around in, in some countries. Confusion everywhere. Cable here, cable there. Go to a developed country, see whether you see those type of cables. Because somebody has thought about them and hidden all the cables. There are cables running around everywhere here. But you can't see them. They are here. And every day I'm insisting, hide the cables, hide it. When they bring, they, 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 they do it, then I'll remind them. Then they'll, you know, where we come from. <laughs> It's the spirit. We have to keep fighting. So pastors, you have to keep fighting. If you don't fight, they'll bring harm to your church. Do you know what harm is? Let's finish. Let's finish. Their apparel means their dressing. Their dressing. You know you are going on stage. You have an eye on your clothes. <laughs> you know you are ushering. 
your clothes are not ironed. You have a big blob of uh, ketchup here. And it's not money. Listen, it's not money. It's just planning. Oh, you don't get what I mean. It's not money, it's planning. Making sure that the presentation, somebody has to think through everything. When the person enters the restaurant, who will sit them? Where they will sit? How they will be served? How they will be talked to? How they will be escorted out? And all those things. Somebody sits and plans them and trains the people to do that. You understand? Pastor, this thing doesn't happen by chance. You've got to train your people. Train your ashes. Train your singers. Give them. I want 3.0, not 0.3 minutes. By 30 seconds, you must be lined up. It's not something you gloss over. Yeah, now you see them, then they come, then they are laying that way. So, no, this is my you blue. No, I want the red. You give me the red, the blue. We are waiting for three minutes as they are fighting over blue and pink microphones before they go and stand. They've given the video coverage a zero, a law in the presentation for about 90 seconds. When you watch BBC, you will not see a blank 90 seconds. The woman is like, welcome to the news of the day. <laughs> you will see it. But in some countries, you see that the whole thing will go blank. Then somebody will appear. Welcome. <laughs> they are apparel. They are cupbearers. The, those days, the cup bearers were the bouncers. They were the security. To the security. The people that escort the pastor. The armor bearers, some churches call it. They all show a certain type of wisdom. Are you getting, you know what I mean? Because in those days, the way if you want to uh, kill a uh, a cane, you poison their cup, the drink. So a cup bearer is one that keeps the cup that the king is going to drink because he's a security chief of the, of the king. You get it? So, and when the, the, the drink is poured, the cup bearer will take it and drink it first before they give it to the king to drink. If they die, then the king is not going to drink it. So, the queen of Sheba noticed all these things. Wisdom is noticeable. Stand to your feet.